What's going on, folks? Contender Series Week 10. I can't believe the season is already coming to a close, but here we are, the last event of the season, and your boy's back to break them down. Uh, was able to complete the tape, uh, all of it, well, the majority of it yesterday, uh, and then was a little bit too exhausted to do it last night, even though I teased it to you guys on Twitter. Uh, I'd rather be full of energy and giving this to you guys as best as possible. Shout out to the guys on the Patreon, though, because they got it last night, so... Appreciate everybody uh, checking out the breakdowns over there. Uh, but we got five fights tonight, and the stare-downs just completed. The weigh-ins just completed. Everybody made weight without much issue. Um, there was just one guy, Hafiel Hamos uh, Estevam, who uh, needed the box of shame, but he did end up making the weight, so not too much to worry about there. So everybody should be, all systems go, should uh, come the fights tomorrow, and uh, very much looking forward to pretty much every single one of them because they all have a very intriguing aspect uh, that they bring to the table um, stylistically and uh, the potential that they have moving forward. Let's just quickly go over that one bet that I had last week for the contender series. It ended up coming up as an L. It was a one-unit shot on Heater, Jacoby at plus 144 over Austin Lane. Had him in trouble early, had him in full mount early, but eventually got his uh, position reversed. Austin Lane getting back on top and then eventually getting the finish in his own right. So good work from Austin Lane there. Shout out to anybody that waited on the line movement there because a lot of people, you know, got on Heacher to Kobe around plus 180. That's when I first initially started tipping him to my Patreon members, but I wasn't able to make it an official play as it wasn't a widely available line as of yet. I got in at plus 144 regardless, no matter the CLV we got there because I think it closed closer to plus 115 uh we end up ripping up the ticket stone uh to a lot of people that's what matters at the end of the day uh so not happy with myself that i didn't cash but happy that i was able to beat uh the majority of the steam that night and again shout out to anybody that got austin lane around minus 130 very you know good patience on you uh seeing the love on the jacoby side and then just waiting for that appropriate number on the austin lane side all right so that is a uh, wrap on the break, or sorry, the the betting recap for the last event. Again, there was no UFC event this past weekend. There is one this weekend, uh, this upcoming weekend, I should say. And uh, I believe I'll be doing the MMA Lockcast probably tomorrow, latest by Wednesday. Uh, but I'm going to be cracking on that today. Got a bunch of other things to do uh, in terms of like tape index updates and other updates that I got to do. But I'll be releasing the majority of my UFC Vegas 61 breakdowns on the Patreon later today. So if you are a member of that, stay tuned and keep your eyes peeled uh, for your uh, notifications. And then again, for the whole breakdown, I'll be doing that tomorrow or wednesday at the latest all right oh and then reminder uh ufc event this weekend no ufc event next weekend so uh, another weekend off another weekend to just kick back and chill with the fam and uh, slowly chip away at the upcoming card um all right, let's not waste any more time because I will be coming back on at 4 p.m. Eastern for the MMA Lock Talk where I'll be taking more questions, comments, and concerns. Uh, and then obviously talking about the concert that I went to this past week uh, weekend as well that I was hyping up so much and enjoyed even more. But uh, all right, let's get into the, the breakdowns for the Contender Series Week 10. We'll start off right at the bottom of the card. First fight of the night takes place at Bantamweight, 135 pounds. We got Ashik Ajim going up against Mateus uh, Mendonca. I'm probably 
butchering all the names there. I'll go with Mateus Bokoa. I believe that his his nickname, yeah, Bokau, sorry, is his nickname. Uh, in terms of odds, we got minus 265 on the Mendoza side. Uh, big line movement, it seems like, coming uh, on the uh, gym side, because I did see Mendoza closer to minus 335 yesterday. Now minus 265 plus 225 on the gym side. So let's talk about Matias a little bit. Um, he trains with Charles Oliveira. That's obviously one of the big things that you can see once you start running the tape and looking at his Instagram and all that. Shoot the box. Diego Lima is the team that he trains out of. Great kickboxing, as you would expect from him. But he has really good jiu-jitsu as well, where he's able to get the majority of his opponents. He drags these guys to the ground, you know, passes their guard pretty easily, postures up, rains down some big shots from on top, or he's able to eventually open up a submission opportunity where he latches onto and gets them out of there with that as well. He had a very tough t test in his last fight against uh, MMA veteran and 20, uh, what is that, 29 fight veteran Pedro Nobre, uh, former UFC fighter as well. And he went the full, I believe that was a, uh, yeah, that was a 15 minute fight. He went the full 15 minutes back and forth fight. Nobre had some uh, success later in that fight himself, but the, the majority of it was Matias having, uh, you know, again, the takedowns, landing the better strikes and just being the better fighter overall. Now, the Ajim side, uh, six and one fighter. His only loss is to the dubious Chris Moutinho. A lot of people remember him for getting beat on by Sugar Sean O'Malley and then getting knocked the fuck out by Guido Canetti, who's actually fighting this weekend. Um, and Ajim, very good striker, very crisp Muay Thai, good, powerful shot straight down the middle, which make him live, you know, just based off that alone. But I feel like once he starts getting tested in the grappling realm, he's really going to uh, struggle in that aspect, right? He has some good training partners, has some good coaches and Ryan LaFleur, um, but I do think that he's going to struggle with Mendoza, especially when Mendoza is able to get this fight to the ground. You know, the last three fights on Ajim's record were all sub 30 second fights, right? Well, 34 second knockout, 30 second knockout, and 44 second guillotine choke, uh, which just shows his aggressiveness, right? He likes to go out there and just try to put the pressure on his opponent immediately, whether it's his, with his big strikes or with his patent and guillotine choke whenever anybody tries to go in on a go in on a takedown uh, a little bit too aggressively and then forget about the neck and he's able to snatch it up there. But Chris Moutinho showed what, you know, a better, uh, I guess, not really a more polished striker, but a guy that can take some shots and then still keep chugging forward and, and give you some resistance can do against a guy like Ajim, right? Ajim is a great hammer. He's probably just not the greatest nil, which is what we found out in the Chris Moutinho fight. Now he's going up against the best fighter he's ever faced in Matias Mendonca. I think he's going to very much struggle here. So I completely understand the chalk on Matias. I don't really understand the money coming in on Ajima other than the fact that his power makes him dangerous. But I think that we'll see Matias go out there, ground this fight, and shortly thereafter find a choke of some sort and get Ajima out of there relatively quickly. Uh, let's see if anybody has anything to say in regards to this specific matchup. Um, all right. Seems like everybody's talking about other matchups. Again, I want to get through this as quickly as possible so that I can uh, upload this to the audio listeners as well. And audio listeners don't really seem to enjoy the, uh, 
the bickering in the comment section. I'll leave that for the MMA Lock Talk. If anybody has any questions or comments in regards to the specific matchup I'm talking about, I'd be happy to highlight it after I get through my breakdowns. All right, let's get to the next fight, which is... uh, This guy I was trying to figure out all week because he has like seven different names. But based on the... um, the weigh-ins today, we're going to go with Rafael Estevam. He's going up against Joao Elias, uh, who also known as Joao uh, Alicatch. Uh, in terms of odds, we got Estevam coming in at minus 205. Uh, I'm seeing up, all the way up to minus 250 on certain spots. Plus 175, plus 180 is the return on Joao Elias. Now, I started off on the Rafael Estevam uh, side. Very impressed with what I saw with the kid. I just unfortunately didn't have enough tape on the guy to truly make an educated um, prediction on this or even to the extent of wanting to go out there and bet it because I had access to his second fight where he just took the guy down over and over again, eventually finished him in the third round. His third fight where he got an arm bar halfway into that first round and then there was about a seven fight lull where i was not able to find any tape on him other than his last fight which was in july of 2021 where he managed to get his opponent down in the first round beat him to a pulp got to get him out of there got him down in the second round beat him to a pulp and then eventually finished him halfway through that second round so what we can tell from this Novo Uniao product is that he, you know, very aggressive, a lot of pressure, big pace, gets his opponents to the ground almost immediately, and he's able to do good work from on top. You know, whether it's a submission or a TKO, he's looking to grind you out or just finish you from on top. Uh, he does have a couple of decision victories sprinkled throughout his career, which is what I would love to see, right? I'd love to see what it looks like when guys are able to stretch him the full 15 minutes when he's not able to get them out of there immediately, right? Because there are a couple guys on his record that uh, lost to him via decision, but then you look back at their uh, record against other opponents and there have been other guys who have been able to submit it and get him out of there. So I'm just wondering that the tape that I'm seeing on Estevam, is it just exaggerated because I just see him going out there and finishing guys or is he actually that good? Because his opponent, Joao Elias, very solid fighter in my opinion, right? We're talking about a 21-fight pro MMA veteran. Maybe 22 fights because he did have a no contest sprinkled in there as well. He had his first professional MMA fight back in 2013. Just to give you some context, Rafael Estevam, 2015 was when he had his first ever professional MMA fight. So not only does he have uh, Joao have three years of ex- uh, experience on top of him, but he also has more than double his fights as well. So the guy's been in the cage. He's faced some legitimate competition as well, and he's been able to you know slice through some of them like butter, get them down, similar to what Estevam has been able to do, and then get his jiu-jitsu going. Uh, I believe he's a high-level black belt from what I've been seeing as well. And his last fight was doing very good in that fight. was pretty much beating his opponent the entire time until his opponent just (laughs) pulled out this random flying knee like it was a Muay Thai clinch flying knee that he landed cleanly and put Joao Elias' lights completely out. But I'm way more impressed with the amount of... uh, with the amount of... um, uh, 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 (sighs) experience from the Elias side looks like he's going to be the better striker as well but i think at a certain point and probably quickly this fight's going to end up hitting the mat i still end up on the estevam side because i just love the the aggressiveness from him i've never really seen him in a bad position or anything like that and again 
because of due to the lack of tape. But the kid looks like the real deal. He's a big kid. We obviously saw at the weigh-ins today as well, right? 5'3 for Juawa Elias. Um, I don't know if they have an actual... Yeah, 5'7 for Rafael Estevam, a 4-inch height advantage there. You'd assume uh, a strength advantage there as well, but this kid looks like the goods, man. We just saw his uh, teammate, Jafel Filio, uh, last week and get a contract on the contender series. I believe he's going to keep that going here with the win over Juawa Elias, but at that minus 200... You know, minus two fifty range that I'm seeing at certain spots. There's too many question marks for me to confidently pull the trigger here, but I do think he ends up winning this fight. He may end up looking like he deserves to be the uh, the chalk, um, but personally, I, I think Joao Elias is definitely more live than those odds indicate. I just personally can't get to the trigger myself in terms of taking the dog shot on him either. Uh, all right. Let us move on to the next fight. I can't wait to get to the Bo Nickel fight based on what the live chat is looking at. You guys are fucking savages in there. All right, next fight. We got the Aussie. I believe he is Aussie. Let me just quickly confirm that before I talk out of my ass. Uh, we got the, yes, Aussie. Jack Jenkins, 9-2. and two. I believe he's the Hex Fight Series uh bantamweight champion yeah featherweight champion sorry um eternal mma champion as well if i'm not mistaken so he has a ton of titles down there down under and he is currently riding a uh seven fight winning streak or sorry six fight winning streak uh very solid performances this kid seems to be the goods you know uh in terms of odds we got minus 240 on him plus 200 against linares now the reason i feel pretty damn good about jack jenkins in this spot is you know, there's more tape available on, on him than there was Esteban, right? There's more tape available on his opponent as well, Linares, uh, which uh, than Esteban. So I'm able to get a better read on this fight, right? Jenkins, solid striker, puts his combinations together pretty well, and his grappling is probably the best aspect of his game. But there are some fights where he doesn't really even need to lean on that to find the victory in his fights. Great cardio, great blending of the grappling and the striking. Um and seems to have a very good understanding of how to close distance whenever he is the one that's a shorter fighter of the two. Um, you know, it seems like the commentators are really bigging him up to be a, a big uh, prospect. And once you watch his fights, you completely understand why. I love everything about the kid. Haven't really seen too much uh, to not like about the kid. Um you know, he did have two prior losses earlier in his career. Like I said, back in 2017 and 2018, he was able to re uh, avenge one of those against Jesse Medina. He ended up losing via armbar to him or originally. And then four years later, he gets his crack at it again. I should say three and a half years later, he gets his crack at him again. And then eventually knocks him out in the second round. So you see the improvements in his game and you see it coming through, especially when he's forced to go the full 25 minutes as he has had against some opponents linares on the other side emilio linares eight and one ecuadorian fighter he actually trains out of the same gym as former ufc fighters and brothers uh augusto mendez or sorry augusto uh montano and eric montano uh you know the the montano brothers very well known down there in mexico and that's where uh, linares has seemed to align himself uh very solid record. I mean, eight and one against decent competition. Uh, I, you know, uh, Latin America, uh, the, the regional scene there, it's very hit and miss, right? 
it seems like he was finding some decent guys, but like I feel like Jenkins will definitely be the most complete and best fighter he's faced to this point. And he did show that he struggled against some of the guys on the regional scene. That's kind of a red flag to me. You know, a lot of the times he had to rely on his wrestling and his grappling to get him out of bad situations because his striking still needs a little bit of ways to go. Jack, on the other hand, right? I think he's going to be able to stop any of the wrestling that are coming his way. And then on the feet, I think he'll likely get the better of uh, uh, Emiliano in those spots. Um, again, Lenarso, I don't want to shit on him too much because his entries on his wrestling look very smooth, right? It seemed like this guy know, knows what he was doing when it got into the wrestling aspect. Um, but it it's due to the fact that his opponents didn't really know how to counter any of that. So that could be a reason why it looked as good as it did. And similar to the Estevam uh, breakdown that I was talking about a little bit earlier, it might look a little bit exaggerated because it's just his opponents are just not up to snuff compared to the guys that he's going to be going up against, especially if he makes it into the UFC, if he gets a contract tomorrow night. But I still end up on the Jenkins side. I end up on the chalk side. I think Jenkins will pretty much beat him to the punch every single time. I think he'll be able to beat him in the grappling realm. And I think he can grind out Emiliano over 15 minutes and win this fight by decision. Uh, you know, uh, Jenkins, probably the one I feel most confident about on this entire card. And that's pretty obvious considering the fact that he's a minus 250 favorite. But I think he's a safe enough parlay piece that you can throw him in with something else that you can feel pretty confident about. And he could still end up going out there and getting the dub so there we go uh <laughs> aiden smo saying dude I had the mullet mustache combo he gets my money you already know it aiden saying jenkins bad decision probably the play here i agree um Bananas and grapes in the trap saying, is this one all favorites like last week? I bet the Greek will go on favorites again since you swept the board with favorites. Maybe, but there are a couple of live underdogs. And I'm glad that you brought it up when you did because that is a perfect segue into the co-main event of the evening. We got Walmart, Conor McGregor, Sam Patterson going up against Vinicius Sensi. In terms of odds, we got minus 200 on Sam Patterson, plus 170 the return on Vinicius Sensi. Now, I started the tape originally on the Sam Patterson side, and I'm like, this guy looks like he is trying to imitate Conor McGregor the entire time, right? From his intro where he's doing the stupid fucking arm flailing thing to his, like, stance that he's trying to replicate to the tattoos that the guy has outside of the, the chest tattoo. He doesn't have a chest tattoo, but, like, the flowers and the colorful art on his arms, his hairstyle, everything. Everything reminded me of Conor McGregor. I mean, especially when you see him fight. He likes to kind of stay at that range, try to just move his head back and then come back forward uh, and land his counters in return. Uh, the guy's very tall. I believe he is six foot four, uh, which is pretty damn big for this uh, lightweight, 155-pound weight class. But as people saw on the uh, the weigh-ins today and the stare-downs, Sensi's pretty big too. You know, it only looks like since he's giving up about a one inch to a two inch height advantage to the Patterson side, which I just don't think is going to be enough for Patterson to, you know, fully take advantage of that. But I think that we'll see um, Sensei do a good job of not allowing Patterson to exaggerate that that reach advantage. Um, Patterson, uh, he has a plethora of guillotine chokes on his record, but a lot of them come from him, like punching his opponents into those guillotine chokes, right? Like he, when he is on, I'll admit he's good. Like he can utilize that range decently well, uh, put power onto his opponents and then they are forced to shoot in. That's where he knows that he can just go for the neck and try to choke them out. That's why he has a, a, a couple of chokes on his record, but boy, can I say, was I 
Was I full of pride when I saw the one loss on his record was to a Punjabi fella? Shout out to Apne. Uh, he he lost to a guy named Hardeep Rai uh, in 2017 where he got knocked the fuck out. Hardeep Rai, uh, beautiful combination. He was giving up a lot of size, as you would expect, but he bl blitzed in with an uppercut to close the distance. It got Sam Patterson reacting, but he came over the top with an overhand right, and it landed perfectly on Sam Patterson, put Patterson down, and uh, could have been a justified, or sorry, could have been seen as an early stoppage, so I won't hate on anybody that wants to see it that way as well, but clipped him pretty well and was able to put him down. Venetia Sensi, in my opinion, even though we don't have too much tape on him, but the little tape that I did see on him seems like he could be the most, uh, at least the best stylistic matchup that Sam Patterson has fought in, in, in his entire career, probably, right? Um, you know, he has solid striking of his own. He started off with the value cow tie, uh, a very uh, renowned gym down there in Brazil, known for their striking. One of his main training partners pretty much his entire career was Francisco Trinalo. So we know that he's getting hard rounds there. And even after both of those guys left a value cow tie, um, Venetia Sensi still goes over to American Top Team, which is where Trinaldo is now, and he helps him out. He still corners him. So he knows what it feels like to make that walk, uh, you know, into the big scene and the bright lights and all that stuff. So he's been around that UFC game for a while now. But over the past year, I want to say maybe a year and a half now, uh, Vinicius has found himself at home over there in Kings MMA in California, training alongside uh, the guys like uh, Marvin Vittori and Benio Dariush and Giga Chikadze, the Kelvin Gastelums, right? Those are the guys he's been coming up with and getting very good coaching from Rafael Cordero as well. The kid looks legit. You know what I mean? He got his brown belt about a year and a half ago on the flip side for Patterson. It looks like Patterson just got his brown belt three or four months ago. Um, so when I finished the tape and finished doing my research, that's when I look at the odds, right? And I was thinking that, okay, maybe Patterson minus 130 at the most, right? Just because there's more tape available on him, the public will be like, oh, this guy looks like he has a great style. Let's bet on him. Then he's up at minus 200. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There is no way that the line should be this big. This Sensi kid has the chops to go out there and make this a very competitive fight. And he could even make it to the point that he ends up looking like the favorite. So just because this Walmart Conor McGregor does the funny shit from the outside doesn't mean that he's going to have the same trajectory as McGregor either. Now that he's going to fight somebody that he can't just, you know, move his head backwards and try to get out of the way of the punches from, He's going to have to rely on a lot more than that to go out there and get the win. I think Sensi could chop away at the legs. We've seen something uh, from uh, Sensi that, not something, but we've seen enough from Sensi to know that he very much likes to chop the leg of his opponents. And then uh, from there, you know, he can decide whether he wants to continue with the striking or look to take this to the ground and implement, in my opinion, what would likely be the superior jujitsu. Again, I know both guys are brown belts, but I feel like Vinicius has definitely been doing it a lot longer than what Patterson has brought to the table. So Sensi will be my dog play this uh for tomorrow night uh i think the line is ridiculous i think this is way more competitive of a minus 200 and plus 160 fight and i think this patterson kid is just all show right i think he's more so there just to you know be the guy that does mma or be the guy that's in the ufc i don't think that he's cut out to do it the way that venicia sensi is um last thing i'll say i'll give sam patterson some credit right he has beaten uh philippe silva 
former UFC fighter, knocked him out. Beautiful finish there. He even beat a 14-1 Dagestani fighter, Camille Magomedov. I wish I could see that fight so I know how it actually went. Uh, but he guillotine choked him halfway into that second round. I'm assuming Magomedov likely had some grappling success, but eventually started to slow down as Patterson was able to land the better strikes on the feet. He shot him for a desperation takedown and got himself guillotine choked and got himself choked out there as well. So Sensi, uh, I think, is a live dog in this spot. Walmart Greg McGregor, I don't get it at all in my fight. Uh, to be honest, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand why this guy is minus two hundred at all. So give me, uh, give me Vinicius Sensi in this spot. Aiden Spohn saying, "LOL, Walmart McGregor. How does this dude's height say six foot four? Definitely doesn't look that tall. He is tall. He's definitely tall. But Vinicius Sensi is like an inch or two shorter than than him at most." Uh, and based on some of the footage that I've seen from Patterson, you know, this might be one of the taller guys he's ever faced as well. Uh, Aiden's saying the dog is live here for sure. I agree. Daniel's saying Patterson versus Patty, then Patterson versus Ian Gary once he moves to 170. Seems like Daniel or Siri, sorry, um, seems like uh, Daniel is like in the Patterson side. Aiden Singh trains out of King's MMA too. I like that. And he trained at a great gym when he was in Brazil too. So <clears throat> I like it. All right. So there you guys go. I'm going to go with Venecia Sensi. I'm thinking maybe a submission later on in this fight. But, uh, you know, even at a, a dog price of plus 170, plus 180, I think you don't even need to bother honing in on a prop. All right. Let's get to the main event. Last fight of this season of the contender series and what better way to end it off than with bo nickel taking on his toughest test to date in donovan beard as you'd expect minus 1500 on bo nickel plus 900 the return on donovan beard now just quickly going over bo nickel we know everything about him right high level wrestler penn state wrestler has a ton of accolades in the collegiate wrestling sphere uh, and has slowly been making the transition over to MMA uh, since he had aligned with American Top Team a couple of years ago. You know, a lot of people initially heard about him when he started helping uh, Jorge Masvidal train for Colby Covington and, and Kamar Usman. And it seemed like he helped out Masvidal a decent bit, uh, you know, leveled him up in the, the grappling as best as he could. But in terms of his own MMA career, two amateur fights against bums, uh, his first ever amateur or a professional fight against a one in 36 year old um, knocks him out in 33 seconds. And then he gets his first shot on the contender series way back at week three of the contender series of this season. And he finishes his opponent, Zach Borrega one minute into the first round Borrega three and oh at the time. But um, you know, we, we could tell right off the bat after watching this tape that he really just ha didn't have what it took. Right. Uh, big power, but that's only going to carry you so far earlier in your career. When you start facing legitimate competition like he did against Bo Nickel, that's where he starts to come up short. So Bo, high-level wrestler, solid jujitsu, uh, and his striking is definitely improving, but that's got to be the weak, weakest part of his game at, to this point. Now the flip side with Donovan Beard, right? This is the toughest test of Bo Nickel's career. Now, with me saying that doesn't mean that Donovan Beard is going to go out there and win this fight. But we're talking about a guy that has over 17 combined pro and amateur MMA fights. He has fought 
you know, all over the scene, has a ton of experience. He only has one loss in his career, and that was three fights ago against Raheem Forrest. That was for CFFC in November of uh, 2021. And that was a very back-and-forth fight where both guys had their own success, a lot of it coming from the grappling realm from either side, right? And even in earlier in Donovan's career, you see that's what he normally leans on. He looks to get these guys to the ground. He looks to grind them out. He looks to open up submission opportunities, and that would work out for him pretty well for the first five fights of his professional MMA career. Then he fought a you know a solid guy in Raheem who made it very difficult for him to have that type of success. In his last fight against Miles Lee, it was looking like the Raheem Forrest fight, but not as you know uh, back and forth. It just looked like Miles Lee the entire time, getting takedowns, grinding him out, really controlling the majority of that fight. But then Miles started to slow down. This was a championship fight. It was supposed to go uh, five, sorry, four, five in rounds unless it was tied. Then it would go to a fifth and final round. And it was looking like Miles Lee was going to secure a unanimous decision victory by easily winning those three rounds with his grappling. And then Miles slowed the fuck down. Donovan Beard started to take over and he was able to, you know, punish Miles on the feet and eventually got to a position where he was able to set up a triangle choke and he was able to get the finish and win the vacant middleweight CFFC title. That fight alone probably just tells me all I need to know that, uh, Donovan Beard is probably fucked in this matchup. My only caveat I'll throw in there, and you know, this is the part of predicting and analyzing MMA that nobody ever wants to look at. We don't know what the cardio of Bo Nickel looks like, right? People can say it looks great on the wrestling mats and all that type of stuff, but MMA is a completely different beast than wrestling. You're getting punched in the face. You're getting stressed out. Whenever you are facing stress inside the octagon, the ring, the mats, whatever it is, that's where you start to gas out. That's where you start to slow down because your brain is overthinking and you're really starting to tax the rest of your body because of that. If Bo Nickel can't get Donovan Beard out of there early and Donovan Beard can kind of cling on and you know just do what he does, then we might be able to see the, the Bo Nickel, you know, what his cardio actually looks like. My the unfortunate thing here, I just think he has such a vast advantage in the grappling here that we're not going to be able to see this going to the second round. I think Bo gets him down. I think Bo sets up a submission opportunity. I think Bo gets him out of there. As simple as that. You know, what I mean, Beard is a solid fighter. Now, if this was Beard fighting a Jimmy Lawson type of wrestler, Donovan Beard would be the Carl Williams of this week. Easily. No doubt about it. Right? That's why I cash Carl Williams plus 200 against that fraud, Jimmy Lawson. But that's where doing the tape and, and seeing the little things comes into play here. With the little bit of tape available on Bo Nickel, you can't see any of his flaws. With the tape that was available on Jimmy Lawson, you could see the flaws. So there's just not enough legitimate data out there to back Bo Nickel at this price. There's not enough legitimate data to go against him either. But you don't really need a lot to be talked into to be betting a plus 900, plus 1,000. You know what I mean? This reminds me of, uh, to a certain extent, it reminds me of uh, Clarissa Shields against uh, Abigail Montez in the sense that everybody expects this high-level combat athlete to come from a different sport and and take over, or not take over, but at least beat the first several opponents that they fight, just as a lot of people expect Bo Nickel to, to do, just as a lot of people expected Clarissa Shields to do. But the difference being Clarissa Shields was a boxer, right? Bo Nickel is best at what is the biggest advantage you can have in mixed martial arts and that's wrestling and grappling. So it's, 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 it's the same in the aspect of the hype follows the fighter. But after that, it's, it's nothing in like after that. Right. Um, so for, for the sake of data, for the sake of 
future predictions. I hope this fight goes over, right? Over one and a half even. I'd like to see seven minutes of Bo Nickel, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Bo Nickel gets this done in the first round. I think Bo Nickel doesn't have too many issues working Donovan to the ground. And I think from on top, his jiu-jitsu is going to be far superior and he should be able to work out uh, a choke or a ground and pound uh, position at a certain spot. But never, ever, ever, ever parlay minus 1,500, folks. Never, ever do it. It just does not add enough to any of your parlays. Just to give you an example, Jack Jenkins, minus 240. Parlay it with Bo Nickel barely brings him to about minus 200. Not a good enough payoff, in my opinion. Uh, All right, let's see what the chat is saying here. Oh, <laughs> Danny said, I did tons of extensive research on this fight, and I conclude that Bo Nickel will fight. I'll say this. I watched all of Donovan Beard's fights, right? I wanted to see if there's anything that I could take of substance that would likely give him an edge here over Bo Nickel. I personally just don't see it other than experience. Uh, MMA locker room in the chat. Appreciate you stopping by, my friend. Uh, do I like nickel inside the distance? I do, but there is no line available for it yet. I'm expecting it to be like minus 500 as well. Should win. Problem kid saying Patterson has beat legit prospects already. Has he? <laughs> Philippe Silva? I don't know who else. Uh, those two Dagestani guys, or at least that one Dagestani guy that he fought. But like, I need to see that tape. I have not seen that tape. Aiden Smith saying, hope you get an alt line over half a round. Um, maybe DraftKings. If there's anybody anybody that would do it, it'll be DraftKings. Daniel's asking what I think the inside the distance would be. It'll be about minus 500. At least I think it will. Let's see uh, what it was for uh, the Borrego fight. Because he closed minus 2,500, minus 3,500 against Borrego. His inside the distance that night was minus 750. So, yeah, I think it's roughly going to be around minus 500. My guy, Marcus Williams, and it is going to be interesting to see if not signing Bo Nickel in his picture-perfect first fight in the contender series back for us tomorrow night. I, I think he gets signed after this one, honestly. Problem kids saying uh, Magomedov 15-2. and two. I get it. The, the guy's name is Magomedov, but like, I want to see the fight. I want to see how it looked. That's the difference. Right? Magomedov's striking could have been complete ass, right? Maybe he struggled to get Patterson out of there. And then he gassed in that second round and then completely got punched into a guillotine. Like we know, um, uh, what's his face? Like Patterson was able to uh, do against a couple other guys. Uh... <clears throat> Uh, you're talking about uh, Juren as well, who is 18 and 7. True, but that's another guy that, uh, again, decent record. I don't know. Uh, again, stylistically speaking, I, I do think that this fight is a lot closer than minus 200 honestly indicates. It might not, but I think that uh, this Phoenicia Sensi kid could be the goods as well. Anson, what would uh, Nickel by decision be? Might sprinkle that. Probably be very, very juicy. His decision line in his last fight was plus 700. 
So there you go. All right. I'm going to wrap this thing up again. I'll be back at 4 p.m. Eastern. Let me just quickly answer this question here uh, uh, by Marcus Williams. Overall, how would you rank this year's contender series to previous years? Honestly, I can't put a legit number on it because like I never really used to pay close attention to the contender series since like 2017. Like I didn't really care for it as much. So I never really watched it with a close enough eye. This one was great. This season was phenomenal though, right? After that first flub of a first episode. But after that, yeah. All right. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. I'll be back at 4 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. Eastern. That is less than three hours for now. And I'll answer any and all questions that you guys have uh, for me. And uh, talk about any and anything that you guys want to as well. Good luck on your contender series bets tomorrow. I'll be releasing my bets probably later today on the Patreon. Uh, so check that out if you guys wish. Um, but I'll be back 4 p.m. like I said for the MMA Lockcast. Peace. Love you guys.